Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We focus on the Latinx presence in the comic industry with a special focus on strong female characters and creators. Hello and welcome to episode 21, guys. How's everybody doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Hey, I'm doing absolutely awesome. You are here on Comadres y Comics, episode 21, and we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey girls, so what is going on? Well, I have some amazing cheese meh. I'm so excited. Those of you who've been listening to our podcast know that um, a while back, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but um, we reviewed the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and it was announced a couple of days ago that they are going to go ahead and do a um, a TV show, and it really falls on um, the back of the amazing uh, success that Riverdale has had. And mm. I remember when we reviewed uh, Sabrina that we talked about Riverdale and how all the reports were coming out that uh, it was going to be more of like a Twin Peak. Twin Peaks-esque yeah. uh, <laughs> on, on Archie. Yeah. And so this is going to be more of a, oh, like, what can we even say? It's like, if, okay, so Sabrina, as you know from listening to our review uh, in Chilling Adventures, is of more of a satanic witch, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And and you know what? I actually also heard that werewolves were going to be coming to Riverdale. Did you guys hear that? Oh, my God. I did not know that. Yes. What? Uh, yes. So I don't know if that is what they meant or if they meant, quote, unquote, Riverdale because they were going to be part of Sabrina or because there is a comic book coming out where it is going to be um, uh, Jughead is going to be a zombie. It's Jughead the Hunger. Okay. Yeah. What? So I don't know. Is that zombie well, or is that? He's already a zombie in Afterlife with right, Archie. So right. I'm not exactly sure. What's gonna what's going on there? Or is they're gonna be doing like maybe a seven deadly sins thing with each character. Okay. And like I don't know, Jughead's gonna be like Glenn or something. I haven't really read the previews for that one. Well, I just know it's gonna be sick. All I know is that I'm super excited, and they have already announced the casting has begun. A casting call has already gone out for uh, this show. So I don't know what that means for when we can actually expect it to be on our TVs. But um, it is coming, and I could not be more excited. And it mm-hmm. should be, like, right away, because if it's going to come off the steams of uh, Riverdale, which is a really popular show right now, mm-hmm. um, I think it should be, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're putting the pedal to the metal on this. So we don't expect it to be anything like Sabrina the Teenage Witch with... Uh, Melissa Joan Hart? Yeah. <laughs> no, no not at all. It's uh, definitely going to be... Uh, more like um, Jim Henson's Witches meets, I don't know, the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yes, so definitely uh, keep that uh, in mind and keep an eye out for that. 
Do you remember what episode it was that we actually uh, reviewed Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Well, it seemed like it was a really super early episode, so I think that Jen was saying that it was episode, episode three. three. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it was. It was only our third episode. Yeah. All right, so check it out, guys, if you want to hear more about our review on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which we're really looking forward to the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your chisme? My chisme is that, and um, um, we also reviewed one of their books. Finding Molly, if you guys recall, yes, which was a few episodes ago, but uh, the publisher of Finding Molly, Emmett Comics, which is an all-woman publishing group, has been picked up by Diamond. They are Yay. now, what? yes, they are now oh Finding God. Molly. <laughs> so exciting! It's, it's it's funny, but um, um, they are they're now available to order um, off of Diamond, but only Finding Molly. Oh, okay. Yeah, none of the single issues okay. that I know that they've been doing have been, I guess, picked up yet. But um, also, I think Emmett himself has changed their their yes. thing. They're going to be doing only straight-to-graphic yeah. novels. That's right. You didn't mm-hmm. mention mm-hmm. that before. Yeah. And so they're only going to be doing straight-to-graphic novels. So the, I think until, like, they can get, like, a full graphic yeah. novel set, is maybe they'll pick up more. Because... The, although Finding Molly is the only one that's available, now available for pre-order off of Diamond is Fresh Romance Volume 2. Ooh. And I love Fresh Romance yeah. Volume 1. It is my shit. <laughs> it's so good. So but that's um, a, like an anthology? Yes. Fresh Romance is an anthology series that f- focuses um, uh, on LGBTQ romances. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just LGBTQ, but also like uh, people of color and just um, marginalized groups yeah. you know, that haven't had like these epic romance stories that we all wish we could have read that right, featured yeah. somebody that looked like us. Yeah. And that's what that one is about. Oh, that's uh, cool. I've heard such good things about Fresh Romance, actually. I haven't ha- gotten a chance to read it, but yeah. um, I've heard nothing but praise for it. Yeah. And I, I mean, Kate Leth is tied to mm-hmm. it, is tied mm-hmm. to it. Margaret Bennett's tied to it. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of big names who are writing short stories for it. Yeah. Um, but uh, they just revealed that Kevin Wada has done a cover for I, it. I really like his art. I love his Kevin cover Wada. art is really cool. He's awesome. I love his fashion. Um, uh, he has a Twitter. And he does a lot of, like, fashion interpretations or redesigns of a lot of superheroes, and they're all amazing. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to follow him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Awesome. So what's your chisme, Sarah? Well, guys, my chisme de la semana, this semana, (laughs) is that, um, well, there's a lot going on. Uh, First of all, I'd like to let the listeners know that uh, we have been really busy with a lot of comic book-related activities. Um, and a lot of other activities pertaining to the holiday season. So watch out for that. Um, And apologies if we don't record always on time, Um, but we are trying our best to have a consistent schedule. Um, Also, I'd like to say that on Mi Chisme de la Semana is that um, uh, we, my, my brother and myself, and this other fellow who we call ourselves Persuade the Nation, we are hosting a Day of the Dead slash Halloween party slash art show. Cool. So nice. um, if you find yourself in the area or maybe, I don't know, plan to come, that would be really cool. Don't forget to Uber because we will have drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we'll have art show for sale by people, you know, everyday people, people who have regular jobs that have a passion for art, mm-hmm. uh, people that, um, 
you know, that have something in them that they have to get out. And it's all types of media. There's perler bead media. There's watercolor. There's paints. Um, you name it. There's going to be there's going to be a, a show for it. Um, uh, hopefully, we right right as of right now, I think we have like about seven artists that are going to participate. But um, you're more than welcome to come, and more. We'll be sharing that on our Facebook page and you know all our social media um, um, platforms. And <clears throat> so I'm very excited about this show. And then um, also come in costume because it's going to be like an adult's uh, Halloween. And it's November 18th. Uh, the weekend after the uh, Latino Comics Expo that we'll be at for the whole weekend, November 11th. So there's a lot going on, guys, and hopefully you can bear with us. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of activities, so stay tuned. That's on my cheese, man. That's an awesome cheese, man. Are you still looking for artists to participate? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's what we're really getting at. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to preview art, show it off, Yeah. contact Sarah. Yeah, because, I mean, all you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are really creative and have a lot of talent, and there's not, you know, many galleries that host or cater to us, mm-hmm. the normal mm-hmm. folk that has a regular job, yeah. that has three kids, that mm-hmm. has, you know, like does all this other stuff in their normal life that can't just dedicate to art. And a lot of the artists out there that say that have been um, successful in their art, um, they mm-hmm. usually say you have to dedicate everything to your art you're and, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to sacrifice like regular life mm-hmm. so um for those people for us normal folk that have something to put on paper or sculpt or whatever th- we have this event that we try to do at least once a year sometimes we do twice a year but as of right now because there's so many things going on We've, we're only hosting it once a year this 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 year because it's already coming in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you guys are interested, de- definitely contact us on Facebook or any of our social media platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome! That sounds uh, really exciting. Yeah, it's super and cool. such a great. If you don't mind me asking, what uh, really uh, made this uh, event like? What got you guys started doing it? Uh, we're, it all started with, um, I forgot their names because it's been so long, but it's uh, Francisco and uh, Ivan. Um, he, they used, he used to work at a uh, kind of a warehouse in Gardena, so um, the owner of the warehouse would let him use it for art shows. Okay. So he invited oh. us to do art shows there, but then he stopped working there, so we they stopped doing the art shows. So um, then this other fellow who participated with us, he's like, let let us do it. So it was an inspiration by them okay. that we mm-hmm. proceeded to do it. And then I'm like, we have no venue. Let's just do it at the house. And yeah. so it's a house, guys. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you get to invite people you know and uh, people who love art. And they might, you know, find and fall in love with the piece here. And they, you know, purchase it. Or, you know, um, this is one of the, the best stories that I have is uh, there was this 18-year-old boy. Who put up his uh, he put up his drawings and his paintings that were watercolor, mm-hmm. and um, he put them up with blue tape on no. the wall <laughs> at one of the shows. It was so funny, but they were the sensation of the entire show. Um, 
he said he was on the fence at that point in his life where he was going to either give up art altogether. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said that that show basically changed his mind, and he's now a successful tattoo artist. Oh, wow. So, so he um, went into a different media altogether, but mm-hmm. he's still drawing. Right. Yeah. Tattoos are still artwork, man. I've seen yeah. some sick shit. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite stories. So I, I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna try to invite him and see if he's willing to that's come awesome. back and do like a cameo. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's one of my favorite stories. I don't, I don't know if there's any more out there, but that's one of the only ones that I know of. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Well, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And kudos to you for giving back to the art community. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's it's hard work and it's stressful, but it's really a lot of fun when, you, when you're in the moment. So hopefully yeah. people can make it, you know, just... Some people just come for an hour and leave. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's super cool. So, yeah, that's that's my cheese me. What is the malted liquor? What gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Beer. Can't get enough of it. Beer. How we really love it. Beer. Makes me think I'm a man. Beer. I could kiss and hug it. Beer. I'd rather chug it. Beer. Got my belly out to here. Beer. I could not refuse it. Beer. I could really use a beer. 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 Beer, 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 beer. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Damn, we caught that. <laughs> All right, guys. What are we drinking today, Kristen? So tonight we have a beer from a local brewery here in Los Angeles called Angel City. Angel City Brewery has brought us Sawsberry. It's a single hop ale with blueberry, raspberry, and elderberry flavors. Now, let me just say that as soon as I pop this... Uh, cap on this bottle the ble- the berry smells were so powerful yep. it made my mouth start to water exactly <laughs> i haven't tasted it yet but um the the berry presence is definitely there so um the sawsberry is angel city brewery's newest creation it uh it tastes uh, it says what does a uh, sawsberry taste like well, it's a combination of the noble hop variety saws and a mix of raspberries, blueberries, and elderberries in a well-crafted American ale. It says here that saws hops lend a certain earthy hop spiciness and traditional continental European Pilsner-style aroma, while the berry mixture gives the fruity, tangy, and yet jam-like flavor and aroma of freshly picked berries, which I cannot even say how true that sentence is. Like, I just came from Portland, Oregon, where I picked fresh raspberries. That's right. Yes, and this smell here is reminiscent, definitely, of that berry patch that I was in this last weekend. Oh, very cute. Uh, So, it's funny because uh, the name is Sawsberry, and um, immediately I think of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where Veruca Salt is like, Schnozberry? What's a Schnozberry? And they actually reference the movie on the bottle. Do they really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. It says... that it's inspired by the lickable wallpaper from our favorite confectionery classic. Wow. Yep. Not going to lie, when you said Salisbury, uh, I thought, for, I my mind jumped to Rick and Morty and Shezwan sauce, and I was just uh. like... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I saw that my uh, McDonald's is bringing that back. Yeah, for one day. Oh, it's, it's only one day. Yeah, uh. October seventh. FYI, that's my cheese man. Never mind. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. If you if y'all want that Chazelle and sauce, only October seventh. <laughs> uh, so this bottle actually has some really cool art on the front, uh, and it is um, there. It it's called Mural by Kale. 
And uh, Kale's an artist and designer from Los Angeles whose influences range from Leonardo and Michelangelo to modern-day graphic design and street art. He has studied under muralist Richard Wyatt, created scenic backdrops for major movie, major movie studios, and worked as the consulting producer on Oxygen Network's Street Art Throwdown. Wow. Uh, so the art is really super huh. cool, and I really love that Angel City is giving um, space on their bottle to the artist. Well, yeah. yeah. Aren't they located in the artist district in downtown LA? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And here is, uh, it says follow Kale at Instagram.com slash Kale dot K. I think it says K2S. Interesting. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like oh. that font on the Sazberry. Yes. So, okay. So, uh, everyone take your, your drink and let me know what you think. Cheers, everyone. Mm. Very tangy. It's very tangy. Very tangy, but I like the aftertaste. Yeah. You can taste the berries, in, not immediately when you drink it, but after. So this is a 4.8 uh, ABV, and it's uh, it's very light. There's no hoppy aftertaste for this. Uh, you claimed it, it had hops. Well, yeah. all, all beer has hops. <laughs> <laughs> so you could taste it, though. Yeah, but no, there's definitely not uh, an IPA aftertaste here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it mentioned uh, it's an American ale. So, um, and I mentioned somewhere I saw that there was uh, maybe I was reading the wrong thing, but um, uh, it's definitely more of the lighter beers, not a not a pilsner, not a pale. Um, ale, definitely a hot afternoon drinking beer, uh, very berry and very light, and um, but it not is sweet at all. No, not sweet. Oh no, um, not sweet. And it, there is a tangy uh, tanginess to it for mm-hmm. sure. And I'm not a fan of sour, so I didn't know how I was going to enjoy this. But it's mm-hmm. really it's good. Yeah, it's not it's not sour sour, but I do like that little bit of tanginess that you can yeah. feel. Yeah. I think this would work well with um, incorporating this in some sort of beer cocktail. Oh, um, yeah. I think oh. it would work really well. Yeah, I you're know. right. Like some sort of a Rattler. Mm-hmm. Um, mixed mm-hmm. like with a lemonade or a, ra- a berry aid mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, but and then throw in some berries in there. Mm-hmm. I think it would work very well. I think they could. De- this one is definitely one you can dress up. Yes. I believe. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion. And the color is just a Yes, it is a very mm. pretty, like, red berry-ish uh, hue to it. Uh, it it looks like it uh, is sweet, but it's not. Yeah, it has kind of, like, garnet tones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I like the color. Yeah. It's definitely a very nice jeweled color. I like it. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, so. It's completely different from any other color yeah. of beer that I've seen. Yeah. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So, are you ready to give uh, your uh, your rating on this Salisbury Angel City Brewery beer? Yes, um, I'm just I'm gonna go partial, mm-hmm. um, only because um, it didn't wow me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in the fact that you could dress it up as a beer cocktail, I think um, it could be more exciting yeah. if you do. Um, I think this mm-hmm. is definitely one of those. Uh, to me, this would be more like, you know how people will crack open a Budweiser or uh, a <laughs> yeah. Michelob or a Coors? Yeah. This would be my Coors yeah. or my yeah. Michelob. This would be my go-to beer when I just, you know, had a... Just want to chill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
that's so, so partial for me. Okay, Sarah, so this is Sarah. Just a reminder: our uh, beer review scale starts at flaccid, moves up to <laughs> initial, then changes into partial, and grows into full. And preceded or no followed by rigid, and then an oh my gosh, there is no beer better. Uh, rating is super saiyan. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah's giving hers a partial. Uh, what about you, Jen? I'm gonna go with Sarah, I'm gonna give it a partial mm-hmm. mostly because I've had I've had better, yeah, and it's just like that. This would is definitely leagues better than a Corona or a Bud Light or a Budweiser or a Tecate yeah. or any of that because it has flavor to it and yeah. I and I do like that. But if maybe if it was a little bit stronger, I would give it more of a maybe a full or something. Yeah. yeah. Or like yeah. if it was served to me as a beer cocktail, mm-hmm. like with maybe a, some kind of soda and like berry puree or something. Ooh, yeah. yeah that sounds You see, delicious. doesn't that sound delicious? It like, does, because yeah. it has a crisp, uh, refreshing taste. Yeah, and so. it's just like, I feel like, I know we said it wasn't sweet, but I definitely think this would benefit if it had a little bit of, yeah, of, of you're a absolutely sweet right. tone. Yeah, absolutely right about that. And also, I just, I'm, I have a fucking sweet tooth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't realize how... Uh, well, some beers are paired with sweetness. Um, mm-hmm. There are those uh, Rattler-style uh, concoctions that you can get at some breweries or at some uh, the, some cans that are already made with a mixture of lemonade and beer. And um, I recently discovered a place in uh, California Adventure Disneyland that serves an IPA slash lemonade, and it is so freaking good. Oh, my gosh. It's so good, and it's just the IPA is – the last time I went, they were out of IPA, so they gave me, I think, a wheat beer instead. It wasn't the same. It was so good, but the uh, IPA – and I can't – I don't know what the the, – what style – not style, what uh, brewery the IPA is, but it's just – perfect combination those Disney so secrets. good <laughs> and this Sosberry definitely I think would be a good mixture mm-hmm. uh, to do with something sweet like you were saying Jen um, but I agree with the other two ladies for sure I'm going with a partial um, I'm not generally somebody who um, likes berry beers uh, and even though it's not sweet and that little bit of tartness in it like I think that I would definitely like you were saying uh, Sarah would be able to like drink this uh, it's your Coors it's your Bud whatever um, I, I I can see that and I and if it was given to me and I and I had a was at a party and had no other choice for sure I would drink it all down but it would definitely not be my first choice so I would say a partial um, and listen it's two dollars at Costco that's true. <laughs> that, that alone, that alone might even inch yes. up the rating. Yeah, <laughs> level up, people. Level yeah. up. Yeah. Drop your Coors and your Tecate and just grab one of these. Yes, yeah. and and the bottle, the two dollar bottle is a uh, one pretty. one pint six ounces. So it's there's a, you're getting a lot of beer for your two dollars. Yeah, like mm-hmm. let's say you get two of these. Like let's say you're inviting that special someone to come over <laughs> and two of these one for each of you and you're good to go yeah or, mm-hmm. or those special someones <laughs> <laughs> oh sancho status <laughs> all right 
right, girls. What are we What are we reading today? Jen, let me let you introduce it because yes. this was a, a book that you uh, suggested for us to read, and you had mm-hmm. been trying to push it on us forever, and we yeah. finally gave it. <laughs> <laughs> it was half of like, oh my god, what are we going to read next? And kind of like, uh, well, this looks kind of interesting, uh-huh. and um, and Kevin had recommended one, and it's one that had been loosely on my radar. Um, but this time like i I finally was just like okay i'm gonna read it um but this is day tripper by fabio moon and gabriel va with an introduction by craig thompson and what was it that said uh and coloring by dave stewart lettering by sean cano okay and this book actually won an eisner award for best limited series back what was this? 2011. 2011. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, how long this book had been out until I was kind of uh, doing some research online. And so, like I had mentioned earlier, I see this book in the shop all the time. And mm-hmm. when we reorder it or someone asks about it, I see it. Had no, absolutely no interest in reading this book whatsoever. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. And when yeah. she picked it, I was like, ugh, I guess. But gosh, it's so, <laughs> it's so it's big. It's, it's so, so thick. And what? Oh my gosh. That's what she said. And I'm going <laughs> to hate every minute of it. That's also what she said. <laughs> um, but that definitely wasn't the case. So, uh, And who is uh, the publisher? The publisher is Vertigo Comics. So So they're a subset of DC Comics. And so this, this, Vertigo has, is one of those publishers that they don't put out much, but when they do, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's uh, always absolutely astounding. And uh, I'm going to read the description here of the book, but uh, it starts off with, what are the most important days of your life? Meet Bras de Oliva Domingos, the miracle child of a world-famous Brazilian writer. Bras spends his days penning other people's obituaries and his nights dreaming of becoming a successful author himself, writing the end of other people's stories while his own has barely begun. But on the day that life begins, would he even notice? Does it start at 21 when he meets the girl of his dreams? Or at 11 when he has his first kiss? Is it later in his life when his first son is born? or earlier when he might have found his voice as a writer. Each day in Bra's life is like a page from a book. Each one reveals the people and things who have made him who he is, his mother and father, his child and his best friend, his first love and the love of his life. And like all great stories, each day has a twist he'll never see coming. I love it. (laughs) And, And let me tell you when I started to love it. This is Sarah, and when I picked up the book, just the feel of it, the way the uh, soft cover trade paperback moved in my hands, I don't know, if I ever make a comic book, I want it to be this consistency. It feels like a dream. It does. does. uh, The cover is soft, but so flexible, and and then when you open it, there's that smell, that vertigo smell that I love so much. (laughs) It must be the ink that they use, and I think they do it on purpose, because it sends, it it already sets the tone. And the first thing that I read was, uh, does art enhance our lives or distract from it? And from then Mm -hmm. on, I was hooked. (laughs) Yeah, the intro page, just as soon as I read it, I was just like, holy shit. 
Yeah. Because like, it's not mm-hmm. most books that have won an award or have kind of made a note itself upon comic book like history and stuff like that, like Swamp Thing or Preacher or Scalped or in any of those books, they have an introduction yeah. to them. Usually by another well known mm-hmm. uh comic book creator or artist or writer. Um and in they're usually like about a page of just like like yeah. an like a letter, like right. an opening like a letter. Essay. It's <laughs> yeah, like a little essay. But this one this one was done as in a, a comic strip. Yeah, yeah. And that as soon as I read that, I was just like, Holy shit, this is gonna be a trip. <laughs> this is gonna be a trip. And um, I'm and I'm glad you touched up on that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but for me I rarely read the intros. Oh, but, okay. Oh. I rarely do. Um I just go right into it. So when I read this i thought that's what it's go- the whole comic's gonna look like um mm-hmm. and then i'm like oh wait that's the intro what uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i've never seen that done before i thought that was mm-hmm. super creative and yeah it definitely set the tone for the rest of the book definitely yeah and it's um, um what was i gonna say oh just and like a small little tidbit of information fabio moon and gabriel Barra are twin brothers mm-hmm. they're brazilian uh, they currently live in Sao Paulo in Brazil, and but they have made quite an impact in the comic book yeah. industry, in the American comic book industry, yeah. and in the foreign market as yeah, well. Yeah, I heard their stuff is has been translated from Portuguese to French to Spanish to English to Italian, German. I mean, yeah. he's uh, they they really got a huge worldwide following, mm-hmm. and I have to think that being twins really really uh leads itself to you know how you see twins talking and a lot of them finishing each other's sentences oh yeah the feeling of the art finishing quote-unquote his brother's sentence just Mm -hmm. his the words that the the creative team that they make up uh amongst themselves it just it really really shows in this particular book Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of like fantastical elements to Mm -hmm. it and it's just super uh amazing and i know that the relationship the artists and writers have really you have to have that kind of like Mm -hmm. um unspoken communication and as twins i'm sure that that just helps uh helps them in the creative process not only yeah this book has incredible flow yeah and it's just with some comics the problem is that you don't know like you sometimes no sometimes you can tell when something has been cut off Mm -hmm. like uh especially this is kind of common in marvel and dc comics especially when they repeat themselves like this is what happened before and this is what we can do this one it every issue can be a standalone issue yeah absolutely and and, but but even when you put them together they create this story that has an overarching message or like view into in this case mortality and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's utterly amazing and they created something so unique and really beautiful. And this actually isn't our first time reading something by them. Um, uh, we did read something by them very shortly very oh, that's right. <laughs> in uh, Hellboy in Mexico. Uh-huh. Damn, yeah. this episode is all about the throwbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but, um, call this episode the throwbacks. <laughs> the throwbacks. I'm down. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, uh, and in and I remember reading that issue as mm-hmm. well. It's when uh, Hellboy goes to, uh, people are being raised from the dead uh-huh. um, uh, in Mexico. And, uh girl a young girl tells Hellboy like oh he took my uncle please get him back 
and uh and so he goes and i remember that same fantastic that fa- that feeling of the fantastical mm-hmm. of magical realism right with yeah. an insight into the human psyche is is like really like they do it very well and from something that from Hellboy to this, their own yeah. unique. You, they, they have a really good grasp of asking the big questions mm-hmm. and kind of not exactly giving us an answer, but a really good way of telling it. I'm interested. I haven't read it, but they also work with uh, Matt Fraction on Casanova, and um, I, I feel like what you just described actually. It fits to what I know of that comic, and I'm mm-hmm. interested to kind of read that. They've also worked on American Vampire and have also worked on How to Talk to Girls at Parties with Neil Gaiman. Which I am dying to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Neil Gaiman fan here. Oh, shit, that might be our next book. We should <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, I really love um, and appreciate that whole, like, a little narrative at the beginning and at the end of each chapter. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it creates kind of a whimsical feel to the story ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it closes it just wonderfully as well. Um, it, and it, it leaves me kind of forlorn, like, this kind of longing at the end of, each chapter with these yes. um, with these mm-hmm. kind of narrations at the end. I um, have to say, I sorry to cut you off, but I totally agree. And mm-hmm. every single thing, this was originally in ten issues. It was published uh, back uh, in 2010, um, February 2010 to November 2010. And uh, I have to say, at the end of every issue, the way that it ends. Um, is just it had me like Jen was mentioning earlier. Uh, it had me looking at the whole question of mortality and what do you do with your life when you're faced with certain um, certain uh, roads to take and and questions to answer and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the a lot of the stories are about the road less traveled. Um, mm-hmm. And also, a lot of the stories are about what happens when you don't take that road, when you go ahead and do what you think is expected of you. Mm-hmm. I love this book. Uh, it's just really great. The art is amazing. Yes, the, the art smell is amazing. that comes out as you mm-hmm. turn the pages is amazing. I wonder if they made a specific choice to print it on this type of paper with this type of ink. It's because it's moving to me. To me, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. if you guys can see, I have a little, a lot of little book. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of wonderful things that I found in this book that you know, like leaves you kind of questioning or thinking about your own life mm-hmm. and yeah. mortality as well. I was telling Jen that. Uh, somewhere in here, I can't. I don't know where it is. Maybe you guys will remember. There's a refer. There's a Super Saiyan reference. Did you guys catch it? Yes. <laughs> I remember you mentioning it to me, and I hadn't been keeping an eye out. But when I saw it, I was just like, Ah! Yes. Because <laughs> I, I was the only person in this group that had no idea what Super Saiyan was before <laughs> we started raiding beers. <laughs> and now I see that everywhere. I'm like, How many times have I missed that reference? Um, but one of the things that I mean, Comadresi Comics is a, a podcast that highlights the Latino presence. Uh, in comic uh, comic book industry, regardless if it's creators or characters or just as a fan base, 
Um, but the one thing that I really enjoyed um, about this book is how much that Brazilian culture is part of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They often mention things in um, Portuguese. Uh, the language is a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the backdrops and the settings of the way oh, that they're yeah. just they're uh, one of the uh, issues specifically is about Brass going to Carnival and mm-hmm. just the the beautiful colors in the background and the people in costumes and mm-hmm. just uh all of that stuff the culture is very very present in this book yeah i was yeah. like really excited when i heard when i actually read the word orishas which is like uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, those mm-hmm. those uh kind of i i wouldn't would, would i call it caribbean gods yes uh-huh. like mm-hmm. uh so i was like what yeah. This is awesome. Like there's a, a a rock and espanol group called Orishas. Really? That I, oh. Yeah. I, I back in the early 2000s when I dated a a guy who was a uh, a Spanish a rock and espanol music producer. Um, <laughs> we went to I don't know if we went to one of their shows or he just someone gave me one of their CDs to listen to. But anyway, I became a fan. And uh, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. And one of the other things that I really like was that when they were doing the offerings, much like Day of the Dead, yes, yeah. but, uh-huh. but completely different, but mm-hmm. the same. I don't know if you guys yeah. could get good, good, uh, but uh, there is a, a point where the way they do their offerings is they put them on a floating yes. uh, uh-huh. vessel with the candle lit, yeah. mm-hmm. and they let it go into the ocean, mm-hmm. and then and then eventually it sinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really beautiful. I the only time I've ever seen that um, and was kind of introduced to that was when I saw. Uh, women on top, I believe, uh, with Penelope Cruz. It was uh, okay. Uh-huh. She was uh, supposedly uh, from Brazil, and um, they had that in the movie. And I thought that was so in- that was so different, but awesome, you know. And I mm-hmm. I haven't made a point to find any other reference, but when I read it in this book, I was like, oh shoot, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely, even though Brazilians are not Hispanic, um, there's a lot of the the Latinx culture that crosses over. I mean, how could it not? Um, And just the emphasis of family and and togetherness. Mm -hmm. And in this book, how um, Bras actually goes and visits with his children on the weekends to his family and they eat together. And food is a big thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and he even goes into detail about the food they eat. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was brilliant it doesn't take it actually enhances the story yeah and the Mm -hmm. feeling of family and togetherness i thought it was awesome Mm -hmm. and it's there's a line in the books that i really really liked that said like you sometimes you don't remember the big moments in your life Mm -hmm. the parts that stick with you the parts that you can recall are the quote-unquote boring parts right And Mm -hmm. and it's true like um uh, a lot of my memories, a lot of my earlier memories of when I was a kid is not like, oh, like, I, I know at one point I think I went to, like, Disneyland or something, yeah. but I can't fucking remember. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot remember. And that would have been, like, a big deal for a kid. Right, yeah. But I can't remember. But what I do remember, and, like, there, there are three memories in specific that I have that I know. One when I was four, one when I was five, and one when I was six. And the earliest one when I was four, my little brother was three, and we were at the beach. And, and it's the, I remember this moment with perfect clarity. Like, I don't know why it's so clear to me that we were just, we were just at the beach. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I know it wasn't my first time at the beach because my parents have pictures 
or like oh like all those old like we like photos that you still had to like reveal and stuff like that and then we're like we we were at the beach multiple times but at just that one moment and my dad caught a fish and he like showed it to me and my brother and I just remember like running off with it and it's like it's it's nothing like it, right. you, if you go down to Santa Monica or something like that well they won't catch like and so no yeah some people do catch a fish but they're on the pier it's just you could see yeah you can see hundreds of these visions of parents with their ki- of with their kids on the beach just relaxing and to me like that and I've we've went to the beach more but I remember that memories very strongly mm-hmm. very vividly the one that I remember when I was five is of my mom cutting a mango interesting wow that that that's that that's literally it. i can i can i can picture it again very clearly um and i believe it was 1999 yeah i remember i remember the year and i remember where we used to live and i remember the sun coming down on my mom and she's just at the counter cutting a mango and I'm just watching her, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I, every time I think about that memory, I get like a bit emotional. I don't know why. I yeah. think you can kind of hear it in my voice, but I just really like that memory. And it's nothing. My mom has cut a mango hundreds right. of times. Yeah. I've cut a mango a lot of times, but that memory itself is just. I remember with, with perfect clarity. Mm-hmm. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what my mom was wearing. I remember how she looks. She, I was just five. She was a lot younger. And it's it's something that I just remember with perfect clarity. And um, the one when I was six is I remember buying fireworks. Again, not uh, not incredibly like unique. The 4th of July happens every year. And it wasn't my first time buying fireworks mm-hmm. with my parents. But I just remember I was buying fireworks and I fell and I and I basically cut my knee and I still have the scar for it but I just remember I again I remember the pain I remember uh my knee being cut and I remember crying and I remember my parents going are you okay mm-hmm. and that's about it and I know I was present for when my little sister was born and when my little brother was born I just don't remember those days yeah. and those are important days yeah. like really big days that I that have affected me since now cuz my little siblings were born right but I do not remember them and it's like it's weird how it's the boring parts of life that you remember and I really resonated with that um, um with that phrase in the book I don't know where to go from there, but <laughs> oh no, no! I mean, I totally get what you're saying, and that that is definitely a feeling we have in this book. Uh, one of the things I liked about this book was when they were uh, do when they were 21, his best friend and himself, they went on a trip around yeah. you know their country, um, and they were in a totally different city. And the kids, the kids that you know make the little crafts and stuff and try to sell it to foreigners, yeah, and they kept calling him Gringo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, and it was, it was. Uh, I mean, I knew that this is Brazil and I knew that they're probably speaking Portuguese but no. the fact that he said gringo uh-huh. it just felt so my life yeah our life you know what people have mm-hmm. you know like you know we're Mexican so um, it just felt so real to me so like something I can relate to um, and because mm-hmm. his best friend is is uh, he looks black yeah and mm-hmm. he looks white yeah although mm-hmm. he's he's from Brazil they're both Brazilian yeah, yeah. Both Brazilian. and he goes 
Yeah, uh, you are a gringo. You are a foreigner. Mm-hmm. You know, you're. And I think there was a, a, a thing that he said. Uh, let me. I don't know if you guys recall that he said something about you're you're white. And oh yeah, so long as these people are concerned, yeah, you belong to a whole different world. Right, the white world. Right, yeah. uh-huh. exactly. Uh-huh. That's exactly what he says. I'm and like, I was trying to find it, but that's exactly what he says. And I, yeah. that I felt was completely true. Yeah, and something mm-hmm. that I can completely relate. In my life. And oh, yeah, definitely. When and I've that's, gone that's when I knew this mm-hmm. book was different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I've gone back to um, uh, to Guatemala the few times that I have, uh, everyone there knows I'm not from there. Yeah. They they just know. There's something about how I talk. There's something about, uh, well, of course, of how I dress. Right. And, and the clothes that I carry. Um, but they immediately know. And as being a foreigner, like, in the country that you're supposed to be a part of, it's an odd feeling, mm-hmm. and, the, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a strange, almost it it's definitely very unique experience. Um, but I think in that at that point they were already in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where he met um, uh, the girl of his dreams. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, she was really hot, by the way. Yeah. Oh she yeah. Was, the first meet was really enchanting and mysterious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. I would totally have done what he did. <laughs> uh, but you make a good point, Jen, where you're saying that the feeling of being uh, a foreigner in a place where you're supposed to belong is just one of um, just a fish out of water type thing. And for a lot of Latinos, that feeling happens both when they visit um, their home country and mm-hmm. also here in the United here States. In the US, definitely so that that's that. definitely a uh an experience that I think that Latinos um and probably a, a lot of other cultures but I can only speak for the Latinos that uh the experience that I've seen and uh had that that is uh something that uh it it feels like they don't have a a sense of belonging in either place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of, sort of like between. La India Maria that says ni de aquí ni de allá. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you know what? You're absolutely right. The uh, the the day I remember was um, I went to go visit. I went to go visit Mexico, and before my thirteenth birthday, anybody asked me, "What are you or where are you from?" And I would always say, "I'm Mexican. I'm yeah. Mexican." Like with such pride, "I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican." And then I went to Mexico when I was thirteen, older, and I mm-hmm. understand more about. The world, not as much, but more than yeah, when mm-hmm. I was five, and um, and it was then that I realized I'm not Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> I am not, and it was like, mm-hmm. and it was really shocking to me, but it was time that I embraced, you know, the fact that I really wasn't Mexican. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just a kind of a hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> I always used to answer uh, the same. Not because I had such pride in my Mexican heritage, but because that's just where I was like, I'm, I'm Mexican. As a as a elementary student, I didn't understand the term Mexican American. No one had told me anything about that, um, and I was very cognizant of the fact that I was different. And so when anyone would ask me. Uh, what are you or where are you from? I would always just say I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I continue to say that all into my adulthood. And, and people are like, you're not Mexican. You weren't born in Mexico. I'm like, okay, but I feel like Mexican-American is just so silly to say. Like, mm-hmm. um, we're really the correct thing for me to say is just 
when people ask me where I'm from, I'm I'm American. I was born here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, um, I, I'm not sure if we've talked about this here uh, on the podcast, but it was really um, interesting to me growing up. I, I grew up with heavy uh, Latino culture influence on my life because my grandmother was from Mexico. My great, I grew up with my grandmother, my great grandmother around. Um, my mother was born here. She was very, uh, as they say, whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a middle-class uh, white neighborhood. My stepfather was white. Um, and it wasn't until I, uh, I think, graduated from college did I actually understand that I did have all this Latino culture in me just pu- by pure incidents of my grandmother being from Mexico and all of these traditions that she brought, even mm-hmm. though my grandmother was one of the first to like talk negative about, uh, about, uh, the other Latinos that lived on the block and, and to her, <laughs> everyone was illegal. And, and mm-hmm. so that's interesting too. Like an interesting dichotomy. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's what, how I grew up. And so almost like that, that self-hatred, uh, type thing that, sometimes people talk about Mm -hmm. and so i it wasn't until i was much older that i learned to appreciate that culture that i did have and that it did in fact exist that it was part of who i was Mm -hmm. exactly and it's funny because i'm well my parents aren't mexican they're yeah guatemalan so i'd always get like a little bit huffy when people yeah. would say, like, I was like, oh, like, oh, like, you're Mexican-American or you're Mexican. I'm just like, no, yeah. I am neither of those things. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, and then they would say, so then what are you? And I'm just like, well, my parents are from Guatemala. And, but I've always kind of had that awareness of, I don't know what the fuck yeah. <laughs> to la- label myself. And I would say, and I, sometimes I would say American and then people were just like, oh, so, but where are your parents from? And they're like, oh, they're Guatemalan. And I guess they themselves didn't want to say Guatemalan American, so yeah. they would be like, "So you're Guatemalan." I'm just like, "But I've never, I've never <laughs> right. been there. So why are you calling me Guatemalan yeah. when I've never even been there?" And it's um, um and then my godparents um uh, um was were Mexican and Salvadorian. Oh, okay. So I kind of grew up with that culture around me. So well, you got the, all the good food. I, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> let me all tell you, to, to this day, I dream about my madrina's the, um, uh, pupusas. Oh, like, I love pupusas. No, oh. no one, I swear to God, like, this person could be an award-winning, like, fucking, like, I don't know, uh, quesadilla, like, number one in the world, and uh, like, maker or whatever, but they would not be my madrinas. Because, simply because... I grew up with them. Yeah. They're, they're so fucking delicious. It's just like I'm sure all the Mexicans say that there's no beans like the grandma's beans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with a little lard in them. Uh, oh, yep. yeah. Delicious. The red box. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, well, I grew up with Mexican and Salvadorian culture and my own parents, Guatemalan. But and I was always hesitant to claim any of these because... I wasn't Mexican. Yeah. I wasn't Salvadorian. And I'd never been to Guatemala. And I was American, but people kept telling me I wasn't American. Mm. Or at least I was some kind of hyphenated American. Right. So that feeling of just kind of in-betweenness never really left me until, mm, I think, towards 11th, 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And that was because... I did not give a fuck. <laughs> At that point, like, I, I, something had just clicked in my head, 
and um, there had been um, my academic decathlon teacher. He was just like, don't let people define you. Well, like He's just like, only you can define yourself. And that had finally like clicked, and I was just all like, holy shit, he's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, it's just, well... It, now it's just, bruh, I'm American because I, I've been to Guatemala and I can now definitely say also, I'm, yeah. def- I'm not, I am not Guatemalan. I am not Guatemalan at all. Um, there's that resonation of being raised um, uh, by Guatemalan parents yeah. and in that culture, but I know for a fact that I am not Guatemalan. Yeah. And I'm whatever Guatemalan American is. Which I don't think has really been defined. Yeah. And it, that just means Oscar Isaac. Bless. I'm, not doing, I'm literally doing prayer hands right now because Oscar Isaac is hella fine. Um, <laughs> but, um. Is he short? Alas, yes. <laughs> That's so. <a>, okay. It, <laughs> he's not too short. I don't know why us Latinos, uh, always, um, we got the, no pun intended, we got the short end of a stick <laughs> when it comes to height. Yeah, 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 very true, very true. And look, I am the tallest person in my family yeah. at an amazing height of five foot seven. <laughs> that is like, but that's already, the average height of the Hispanic woman is five foot two. Oh my gosh, that's average? That's the average. I'm above height. average. <laughs> the I'm, average. I'm below average. That, that, 4'11, guys. The, my mom. You're 4'11? I'm 4'11. You're going to be like four feet when you get older. I know. I'm going to, yeah. I mean, I just passed past midget, uh-huh. but mm-hmm. when I get old, I'm going to be definitely a little person. And Aww. the average height of the Hispanic man is 5'4. Are oh. you serious? Yes. Oh. It's five foot four. Oh now, my gosh. Oscar Isaac is five feet nine inches. He's literally oh, two inches okay. taller than me. I can do I'm, that. I think my husband's five ten. Five ten, yeah. yeah. And so like I I know men who are five nine, but they're usually not Latino, so I would um this is all to say I would do Oscar Isaac in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh <laughs> but Anyways, but, yeah, that's the average height of a Hispanic man. So I will always be three to four inches taller than the average Hispanic man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, and yep. it's just like, my my brother is five foot four. <laughs> Whenever I get whistles or whatever it is that they do to me uh, on the street, yeah. Like, like if I'm a fucking I dog. I feel <laughs> like I just want to walk up to them and, like, pat them on the <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That would that would immediately stop anything that they do. That just mm. oh my god! Challenge accepted. That would be awesome. If you, I would love to be there. Love to be there and see that happen. That would be awesome. <laughs> but it is just like, like, and like five foot seven isn't even that tall. Yeah, I've met women who were taller than me. Yeah, and. Definitely a lot more men, but it's just like, why? <laughs> Although I I am kind of a bitch because I lord it over my other siblings. <laughs> and but now my littlest brother, Joel, he is about my height now. Oh, so uh-oh. he he inherited whatever gene gene kicked in that was just like you're gonna be tall. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't 
really fully hit puberty yet. So when he finally does, I'm not going to be the tallest anymore, and I'm a little salty. (laughs) But he's he's like, anytime we talk about height, he looks at me, and I look at him, and we just have like a silent battle of (laughs) will. Like, like he's he's suddenly telling me, I'm going to be taller than you, and it's going to be fucking great. And I'm just going to be like, no, you're fucking not. You're going to be, you're going to, you're going to tap out at five foot seven. That's it. I like that. I like My that. brother's way taller than I am. Uh, he, we have separate, different dads. His dad was not a was short the, Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a gringo. And he got so, him, yeah, he, got he was a gringo, and he's six foot. And so, yeah, he passed me up a long time ago. <laughs> it happens, too. It happens to the best of us. So we got a little bit uh, sidetracked, but it all, uh, I think, wraps up up nicely into uh, the way that family and culture really play a big part in this book, Mm -hmm. and I cannot recommend it enough. I uh, teared up and cried multiple times during this book. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I don't want to spoil anything for you guys, but there's a kind of a pattern in this book yeah. on the way mm-hmm. the stories are told yeah. and the way the chapters are named. Um, it wasn't until chapter four that I, it kind of hit me. Yeah. At mm-hmm. first, I was super confused. I'm like, what the heck is happening? And mm-hmm. I think I was about the same around chapter four. I was like, oh, oh. okay, there's a pattern here. Yeah. And it's it's a very unique twist. Yeah. And absolutely. definitely, when I say that this book is magical realism, I mean it. It is magical realism in comic book form, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I am all fucking for it. I I so loved it. in comic book terms, that would be m- magical slice of life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> magical slice of life. Yeah. Yeah. No. This and oh, and the way they close each chapter to kind of be like, uh, like if you're reading the life of yeah. a person, mm-hmm. I thought that was really great. I mean, uh, the. The contrast of this book being about uh, about Brass's life uh, and the fact that he is a writer who writes um, obituaries for the the local newspaper is just there's there's really no other better way to mm. really contrast what's going on in this story of just like. The grandness, I guess, of of life, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like this book is so deep and so personal because yes. of the way that it that it's set up. Yeah, is like you get these snippets of not like of this grand tale of this one guy that goes on an epic journey. No, it's like you said, it's a slice of it's life. It's the small things. It's yeah, the, it's the small things, and I think that's more personal. Seeing like the small things that make up a person, what they're excited about, what they're happy about, what troubles them, what they, what they're thinking, their fears, their fears, yeah. their loves, their losses, mm-hmm. their relationship and with their parents, their relationship, their relationship with yeah, their kids, parents, with, with their, their loved one, with their best friend. I mean, mm-hmm. these little things down to like the the description about the smell of the parent, the dad's cigarette. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just found it completely magical everything was in sync and it wasn't mm-hmm. until chapter uh 30 uh 38 not well chapter's name 38 is not chapter 38 yeah mm-hmm. but it's called 38 and that one when i finished reading that one i said fuck my life <laughs> i had yeah. to put it down because i was like fuck my life yeah. like i just felt so much emotion i was just like i gotta put which one down. was that one um, that was the uh, the visit to his best friend. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah, that yeah. one. That one was 
Ooh, that gave me that the one, That one was probably my favorite one. Well, I was yeah. going to say, we, we started to kind of uh, do a tradition of talking about what our favorite part of the book was, and I know, mm-hmm. Jen, you had mentioned that was your favorite, so why mm-hmm. don't you start off about why that was your favorite? It's, it's, um, it was my favorite mostly because he, his friend had made a choice. Yeah. And he had... He he had committed to that choice, and um, um, but when uh, when a postcard arrived from his friend, he was just like, "I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna go help my friend out," and it just it reminded me a bit of my relationship, except towards that end where I'm just like, "Oh damn," <laughs> yeah. my, with my with my own best friend, yeah. and how I've gone through so much with her, yeah, and if she suddenly like dropped off the face of the planet, mm-hmm. I would. I would never stop looking for her, mm-hmm. but I also know that I would kind of maybe move on, but that I would keep her in yeah. my thoughts. And if yeah. one day she was just like, I need help. Right. I would be like, bullshit, fuck. Yeah. Time to go. Yeah. Time to, time to go see, like, what what's up. And she would she would never stop being my best friend. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really liked about that story, about these ties and these decisions that you make and what kind of like people mean to you right and i i just i really like that yeah do you have uh your favorite picked out Sarah? well i i like that one it was um the one with the best friend that was really uh really freaking moving mm-hmm. um but one of the things that i thought was really um a challenge that i didn't think could be executed that i felt like formally like amazed by was uh the chapter called 47 uh-huh mm-hmm. and that was when the main character of the book wasn't in any of the panels during that oh. chapter. And I found that to be extraordinary. You mm-hmm. got the sense that he was constantly there, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when um, the his wife would say, I- he's everywhere in the smell of the cigarette. Mm-hmm. And um, he leaves me little notes and messages um, on the answering machine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we get to get a full. Oh on yes, okay. Now I'm remembering that issue. Mm-hmm. That full on experience. Yes. The son is what is he? He's like ten or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wife and and him, they have this wonderful relationship, and that mm-hmm. I thought was the execution was yes, really definitely it's something that I don't think anybody. Um, I've never seen it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were definitely tears in uh, that issue for sure. Yeah, um, especially towards the end. When she kept yeah. listening to the voice message mm-hmm. over and over, it broke yeah. my heart. Oh, my God. Yeah. Guys, when my mom passed, um, she left a message on the answering machine. She said, Sarah, start dinner. Make the rice. Anyway, so I kept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was a power outage, and I freaking cry because i could not retrieve the message yeah, yeah. and um fuck i haven't thought about that since i read the book yeah so mm-hmm. dude all the feels it's all i gotta all say about feels. this yeah. yeah and that, it also reminded me like i've seen like documentaries about like about 9 11 yes i was just gonna say yeah. that and how people had called um uh, yeah. their loved ones from, and the left voicemail from their planes yeah they left voice messages or like before they took a they got on the flight they left a message yeah. And when the planes went down, the families kept those recordings. They kept them, and they did not delete them. And they recorded them in someplace else so they could hear their voices 
This is why yeah. I always get mad when Eddie doesn't answer the phone. <laughs> uh, what if I'm dying and this is my last call? And, you know, he tells me, well, then um, instead of the memory, I will have your voice recorded for all time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we laugh now, but it makes it makes a big it makes a big difference. Yeah. And had yeah. I been technically savvy, I probably would have been able to save that message. Yeah. And it was something so simple as start dinner before yeah. I get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway, that, um, yeah, that was one of my, I, I really, the execution of that chapter was, like, I can't even say magical. It was just so raw for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's my favorite one. Uh, my favorite part of the book was uh, the last issue. Oh, yeah. When, because you see that he struggles throughout all of the book. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Um, quote-unquote issues (laughs) that he has and um, a lot of them stem from his relationship with his father Mm -hmm. and when his son brings him that book and says there's a letter in here for you oh my god right now i'm starting to tear up yeah um and it's from his dad and a lot of just like his angst in his life was because of the fact that he thought his dad like that he was disappointing his dad right Mm -hmm. right and that's the feeling i got in the first chapter Uh uh-huh and i was Mm -hmm. like oh man this is gonna be dreadful (laughs) <laughs> but, but it becomes very beautiful for yeah. a book to affect me so like all of us here like yeah. so like I'm getting a little bit tears right now we're all tears from our uh-huh. eyes um and then he reads the the note from his dad and there's just like there's a sense of peace and resolution uh mm-hmm. that you see and the actual art that is drawn to portray that is mm-hmm. just fucking amazing yeah it is they're they're both so talented. Yeah. It's utterly amazing how what they were able to do, the dream-esque quality that they were able to add to this book. And it's in, in towards the later end, in towards the, the and when it says that they did sketches, uh, one of the brothers comments that they weren't trying to make the places look real. They were trying to make them feel real. Yeah. And yeah. I believe that's, that's, so, that's so true because... Sometimes, like, um, places in my memory and how I see them or and how I see them is so different than what they actually are. Right. Or whenever, like, probably the most iconic one is, like, or, like, the one that I can most give, like, uh, an example of. Everyone has seen that postcard image of Los Angeles with the cars running by and, like, the streets, like, slowing down they use it for news they use it for like um for like um uh, movie cutscenes to like pr- um uh, show the progress of time and stuff in yeah. postcards it's like an iconic like you see the la city landscape yeah and everything but uh in my memories well and even now because i passed where that photo was taken uh-huh. a lot of the times and it's just become kind of like habit um uh have it for me but uh how i how i always see that area is gray Mm. yeah right yeah it is it's 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 gray Mm -hmm. and it's in in the photos it's all these lights and it's like in it's these are professional photos right and they they focus like on everything and that would be what other people would see but in my mind that area is always gray Mm -hmm. and i don't I don't know why. It's probably how the sh- how 
the building and how the place is always almost always cast in shadow. Oh, yeah. And um, even when it's sunny, it's just that area always just feels like gray to me. And that's what makes it real. So whenever I see a photo of that area, I'm just like, I know where that is. And to me, that's not how it looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, Mm -hmm. that area is always gray. And it's not like a bad, like, oh, like, it's so boring. It's just, like, literally, like, the color tones, like, in my mind, even how right now I'm remembering it, it's just shades of gray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... And nothing has, nothing special has ever happened to me there. Yeah. I just pass it by all the fucking time. Yeah. Uh, especially when I'm going um, uh, to help my mom because it's on her way to work. Oh, and, yeah. Um, uh, and so I just pass it all the time. And that area is just literally great to me. Mm-hmm. And that and that is that is what makes that place real for me. Right. And yeah. that's what I got from this. Like if I were to go to El Salvador or to Brazil and I saw this. Like, I feel like I would see, this is what I would see. Yeah. Over there, not whatever, like, professional photos or tourist maps or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, any other um, things that you want, guys want to, the listeners to know about this book that um, they should? That well, you I share? mean, we've always already shared the our amazing thoughts about the book. Jen has mentioned that it was an Eisner Award winner mm-hmm. uh, in 2011. Not only did it win an Eisner, it won an Harvey Award for Best Single Issue. I'm not sure what issue it was, but mm-hmm. any of the ones uh, in there are were highly deserved of that award. Mm-hmm. And also, it, it won an Eagle Award for Favorite New Comic Book in 2011. So, mm-hmm. it is an award-winning book, and I I cannot highly, I cannot recommend it enough. It comes highly recommended uh, from, I think, all of us. Definitely. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> rating? So, are we rated, rated, girls? Yes. <laughs> I am ready to rate it uh, three conchas. Uh, we rate our comic books here by Pan Dulce. Uh, conchas are our Pan Dulce of choice. Um, our rating is one to three. And I rate it three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Same rating right here. <laughs> Three conchas and a cup of champurrado. And wherever that bakery was that he was that oh, met the love of his life. Oh, but he met his wife. Yeah. Throw, throw that in there, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call. I'm going to say Super Saiyan. No, 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 that's, wrong one. that's the wrong one. No, for me, um, Jen, I just want to thank you, man. I needed some vertigo in my life to show you about now. So this is amazing to me, and I loved every bit of it. Um, so I'm going to go Three Conchas. And the whole panaderia. Yeah, yeah. For me, I um, definitely love this book. I'm going to recommend this to everybody who wants to read something super awesome. It's funny yeah. because a, a girl came into the shop on Sunday specifically asking for this book. And yeah. I just happened to have the copy uh, sitting on the desk. And she's like, I don't see it. And I'm like, well, here it is. <laughs> and so she took it. And she's like, well, um, I don't know how it uh, came onto her radar. But um, she hadn't read it. Or, and she's like, well, what did you think about it? And Jen and I just it's started like, like gushing like, about it. Oh, so my God. It's she's so like, yes, this is what I want. So she took it. So hopefully she enjoyed it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I can now hustle this book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was amazing. Thank you for recommending that, Jen. Yes, thank You're you. You're welcome. I try. Girls, what's on your radar? Well, on my radar is, and I don't think I've mentioned this before, um, but uh, 
So Kirby, Jack Kirby's like a hundredth, what would have been his one hundredth birthday? Yeah, is uh, this year, and both uh, DC and Marvel did kind of tributes to him. Marvel by reprinting, doing some Jack Kirby covers, as well as reprinting some of the key issues that he did, which were super legit. They were, uh, they were all had, they all had the True Believers thing kind of it, and they reprinted First Appearance of Thor, Thor versus Hulk, Avengers number one. Uh, like the first tales to astonish and stuff like that. Well, not the first one, but yeah. <laughs> but um, or was it the first one? Uh, and I'll have to look back. But they were really cool. What DC did absolutely blew Marvel out of the water because <laughs> as, as it should be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, I'm a Marvel fan here. <laughs> I I love Marvel too. I would I would sell my soul for Miss Marvel. Um, but uh, I think DC was more apt in their tributes towards him yeah. because they brought back a lot of his old titles yeah. of stuff that he did that was just super cool because some of them had original stories and artwork that um uh, other that other artists had did emulating the Kirby style which is a unique style in and of itself right. that is absolutely uh what you find in the golden silver age stuff Kirby crackle uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, they did the Kamandi challenge where each um, uh, each issue was a different artist and a different yeah. short story, and they reprinted some of his unpublished works. Now, Jack Kirby wasn't exactly the most uh, <laughs> enthralling writer, but let's be real, neither was Stan Lee. Uh, <laughs> he had great ideas, great ideas, great ideas. I'm not, I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, but it's um, um, but what other people have done with them is absolutely amazing. All of this to wrap up to say Mr. Miracle is back, one of the new gods of, of that Kirby created. And it is being written by Tom King. Mm-hmm. And it is That's all you gotta say. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tom King. Tom King has done Sheriff of Babylon, Vision, Omega oh, Man. Yes. He did uh, Grayson. Um, I believe he's done something else. But well, that I just he's writing Batman right now. Oh, yeah, and he's doing Batman. Yeah. How the fuck did I? <laughs> and, and in all that he's done, he's absolutely killed it. Yeah. And Mr. Miracle is turning out to be, again, another fucking great hit. Only two issues are out right now. But um, um Mr. Miracle is... Let me pull up this up, sorry. Okay. So Mr. Miracle is um, uh, Scott Free. And Scott Free is the greatest escape artist that ever lived. So great that he escaped Granny Goodness's gruesome orphanage and the dangers of apocalypse to travel across galaxies and set up a new life on Earth with his wife, the former female fury known as Big Barda. Using the stage alter ego of Mr. Miracle, he has made a career for himself showing off his acrobatic escape techniques. He even caught the attention of the Justice League, which counted him among its ranks. You might say Scott Free has everything, so why isn't it enough? Mr. Miracle has mastered every illusion, achieved every stunt, pulled off every trick, except one. He has never escaped death. Is it even possible? Our hero is going to have to kill himself if he wants to find out. Ooh, that sounds Ooh, cool. What? And it's Do we it, have number one still? We have <laughs> We have the second printing of number one okay. because the first printing sold out literally within the day. Okay. It was it was the day on the Wednesday it came out, it was no longer available on Diamond. 
And wow, it, it was not only was it a great hit, but it was absolutely amazing. And it's just with a name like Tom King has made himself uh, very well known in his brief career uh, as a comic book writer. So a lot of people were excited for that. And a lot of people were excited. A lot of the older fan base was excited because they grew up with New Gods and they read yeah. New Gods and it was a Jack Kirby title that they were bringing back and um, they had already kind of done something before like the Green Lanterns um, uh, there was uh, in New 52 era before the whole Rebirth thing starts off that won a lot of acclaim that they did a Green Lantern uh, New Gods crossover oh, okay. that was really good apparently I haven't read it uh, <laughs> uh, but I am willing to go back and do that Um and Big Barda herself is a well-known um, uh, and well-loved character mm-hmm. that is a bit more niche, but once you get into comic books, you'll know about Big yeah. Barda. Yeah. Like, she's just really fucking cool. Um, but a bit of warnings. Um, uh, the first issue, and I kind of already said it in the preview itself, there is a suicide um, uh, oh, thing going uh-huh. on. And... Um, uh, I remember reading that a lot of people were just all like, you should have added like a, a, trigger, war- warning. a trigger warning mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, I kind of agree. I mean, it was a comic book as well. I'm just like, oh, it's a comic book. Chill. But also at the same time, I was just like, oh, bad memories. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's the only warning I have. Besides that, amazing writing, amazing artwork, and just already like, it's only two issues in yeah. and it's already so fucking great. Oh, well, nice. I'm going to have to go back mm-hmm. and check it out. Yeah. Well, this is Kristen. And speaking of books that sold out uh, on the first day of their release, my On My Radar um, book did the exact same thing. Um, they were out of Diamond on the Wednesday release, which was two weeks ago. And my book is Aftershock Publishing Company's Dark Arc. Um, it's written by Colin Bunn and the artist is Juan Doe. Now I'm not going to make an assumption that that's a a Latinx creator. Um, I have a question out to Aftershock to just confirm that it, that he is. Um, but, uh, I'll let you guys know. It'll be awesome if he is. Um, but Dark Ark is the story of what if, uh, not only Noah had an ark, but there was what? another arc uh, that is commanded by a sorcerer, Shrey. Um, and he was commanded to build his own arc and save the unnatural creatures of the world. What? Including such as vampires, dragons, the naga, the manticore, and unicorns. So, uh, this story is about that arc. It's the story you all know, but it's not Noah's story. It's Shrey's story, um, the sorcerer. That's so fucking cool. So uh, <laughs> the question here is, um, the wickedness of mankind has moved the creator to destroy the world by way of flood. But what will happen on a vessel crawling with monsters where insidious intrigue and horrific violence are the rule of law? So uh, you know I love me some Colin Bunn. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is fucking hitting it out of the park with all of these horror stories oh, that he's yeah. writing. I mean, you know, I've mentioned I'm a huge Harrow County uh, fan. And um, you all know that I pushed Rob Liefeld out of the way to get to Cullen Run <laughs> at San Diego Comic-Con a couple of years That is my favorite <laughs> story. <laughs> and um, during our conversation, uh, when I mentioned to him how much of a Harrow County fan I was, he told me uh, and talked to me about how his his passion, his heart is in writing these horror stories. And it freaking shows. Like, yeah. he is just such a good writer. He has uh, The Unsound out right now. Dark Out. Oh, Arc is out. Sound. And um, uh, there's another one that's an aftershock. Is it Unholy Grail or Insidious? Or in 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 in, in, in Petulance. I can't oh, remember. Pestilence. Is it Pestilence? There yeah. you go. Is that the Colin Bunn one? I, I can't remember. He has a third, he has another one out. Um, but he is just hitting it out of the park with this. And it's the Halloween season, so definitely get yourself, get yourself out to, um, to a comic book shop or comicsology and pick yourself up some Cullen Bun Horror. And I think Unsound was on my radar a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the one so. about the uh, the weird psych ward. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Was it last time we recorded? I think I so. I don't remember. Because we were like freaking out that it's at a uh, asylum kind of old ward. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Dark Arc by Aftershock and... Uh, it's just, it's really good. The first issue is really, really good. Mm-hmm. He's been killing it with that. <laughs> <laughs> we we should definitely focus right now on uh, something dark because of Ooh, the Halloween yeah. season. Yes. He's also oh. reading writing Venomverse right now, too. Oh, oh that's right. You did, you got, yeah, I think you nice. talked about that one. Oh, right? yeah. 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 I did. That was on my radar. <laughs> Very I, I'm just really excited. I, I, I feel like... Oh, The Damned. There it is. Oh. That's what the other one is, The Damned. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like Cullen Bunn is my my thing. Your like, spirit animal? Yeah, I, I love him so much. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Very dark. I like it. Yay. So uh, what's on your radar? Well, on my radar is something that I think we've all been looking forward to. It's um, The Gifted. Yes. It's, yes. Yes. It's an American television series created by Fox, um, for Fox, by Matt Nix. Um, it's uh, based on the Marvel Comics X-Men. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know about the little... Tell uh, us about, <laughs> about this Please. X-Men. Who are these X-Men? <laughs> who, who, who are these beings? And it stars Stephen Moyer. I don't know if you guys are familiar yes. with him. He's uh, Bill Compton yes. from uh, True Blood. From True Blood. Yes, I love that guy. I heard that name today and I was like, where do I know him from? The True Blood guy's on Gifted? I had no idea. I heard <laughs> on a commercial today. I know. And it starts today guys yes. on fox at nine o'clock so hopefully it's on my hulu feed because i'm ready to watch that yes nice. so that's totally on my radar um it's gonna be it's gonna tie in a lot with um i guess i don't know why they can't call it the x-men but they call it the gifted i don't know i don't care as long as the story is good <laughs> so i'm very excited about that it's gonna be a 10 issue run for the first season and we'll see um it's gotten really positive reviews from the critics good and uh mm-hmm. social commentaries are, are yes. being very uh, positive about it as well as always with those x-men so i'm very very excited um have you guys heard anything else from it i mean i know that it's a it's 
basically a family. Stephen Moore yeah. is a dad, uh-huh. and they have two kids who um, have the um, um, the mutant gene. The, the mutant gene, gene. yeah. yeah. Um, so they have to actually go into hiding and stuff. Um, it's going to be based on their um, struggles because of their children that have these special gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and um, uh, apparently the people who I, at Comic Con there were. Um, Big billboards all over the place saying um, uh, something like, protect your family, protect yourself, protect society, get yourself tested uh, for the X gene. Are you a carrier of the X gene? Oh, snaps. So, yeah, basically they have to um, run from the government. Um, So that's going to be really cool. They're going to join an underground community of mutants. So I can't wait. (laughs) I'm ready to see all sorts of mutants. I think... What they're doing with a lot of the TV shows is that Sorry, they're kind of they're kind of leading into what would be the future for Logan. Ah, oh, yes. so because uh-huh. we know now Logan is is out of continuity right. with the rest of the X Men movies. Yes. Um, but uh, and the X Men movies are doing their own thing because um, I definitely don't know how Legion would fit into the X uh, into the X Men exactly. movies, yeah. and that's kind of, it seems kind of more of its own thing. But like how they've done everything and how they seem to be doing the gifted is more like okay, Logan's gonna be the the movie the like the literally old man Logan of <laughs> right of, of the of the movie verse where it's a standalone one, it's its own thing. Well, no, in comic books, no, it was its own thing. Uh, Speaking of uh, X Men, Old Man Logan, I saw something today on my Facebook feed uh, mm-hmm. of uh, they're doing a prequel Old Man Logan. Oh what? Yeah, I, I oh, let me look. I I don't know if it was comic book or TV show or animated, um, but I saw that run across my feed today. I but, wouldn't be surprised the, if it was animated or from the comic books because. If it was a TV show, it's just like, who are you going to get to play Wolverine? Like, mm, that's true. Like, uh, I don't think that will work. It, it looks like it's a comic book, and mm. it's old man... Uh, <laughs> okay, so I didn't read it uh, very clear. It's old man Hawkeye prequel. Oh, oh. interesting. Huh, I'm still <laughs> interested in that. Yeah. So it I'll says, uh, the series will be written... Look at this. You guys are getting a bonus chisme de la semana. <laughs> uh, it says, the um, the Marvel Comics is set to release an old man Hawkeye comic. Uh, the series will be written by Daily News alum Ethan Sachs and illustrated by Marco Chequero, um, who's working on uh, Star Wars Captain Phasma right now. It will take place 45 years in the future from the current timeline, but five years prior to the events of Old Man Logan. Mm, so, Old Man Hawkeye is, on its own terms, uh, an epic story. It says, readers will gain insight into previously established characters, explore new corners of the wasteland, meet new characters, and discover exciting Easter eggs all throughout Clint's journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those of you who haven't read uh, Old Man Logan, you know, uh, you don't know that uh, Logan and Hawkeye are kind of like a team-up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Hawkeye's blind, right? Yeah, he's yeah. blind now. It's a blind Hawkeye that you... Uh, and honestly, it's awesome as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's great. I feel like I kind of don't like the name because it's like you got Old Man Logan and they called yeah. Wolverine by his name. They should have done it like Old Man Clint. 
Ooh, oh, that would have okay. been cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Old Man Barton. I, one of the two. Like, oh, I like yeah. Old Man Barton. Yeah, yeah Old yeah, Man Barton. Cool. Like, yeah. like that. that's uh, and that's what a lot of people call him. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah, like, Old Man Barton. I think would have been a catchier. Yeah, a catchier thing. Yeah, because yeah, it's and not it's, Old Man Wolverine. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it would yeah. be like you know reserved for like the fans. Like they know mm-hmm. who it was. Yeah, not yeah. everybody off the streets would. No, mm-hmm. yeah, and they discover it, and I don't know. I think it would be cooler. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyways, back to the. Is that <laughs> I think that the what they're doing is with the TV shows is that they're doing the kind of like um this is what led up to Logan uh-huh. thing or like the events that happened yeah. with Logan, and I think that would be really cool. And they have more leeway to go with the more out more out there storylines that the X Men did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that would be like super cool. Excellent. For sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was all of our... That was all of our, 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 our radar. radar. We had some good stuff this week. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and now what time is it, Kristen? Now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Yay! Yay. <laughs> So, uh, right now we are, unfortunately, during a time where a lot of the states uh, in um, America are suffering from, um, I guess, disaster, the aftermath of a disaster from Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, uh, and just a, a lot of natural disaster stuff that's going on. And the most recent, um, you know, is mm-hmm. what has been going on with both of those hurricanes in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And today uh, I want to share a Juntos y Fuertes from an uh actual Puerto Rican comic book artist who is raising money for hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. Um, he, uh, his name is Miranda Rodriguez, and he is the creator of La Borinquena, uh, which is a comic book about a, um, it's a Puerto Rican superhero. And I've actually seen this book around and was thinking that's definitely something we should do for the show. We should review that book. But when this came up on my timeline, I thought it was just amazing thing for him to do. Um, it's going to be, if this is for East Coast folks, so I'm sorry if uh, you are over on the, uh, the West Coast or in uh, the Midwest, but uh, if you can make it out, it's at the Casita Maria Center for Arts and Education in South Bronx. And it's going to be Arte de la Borinquena. It's going to, the uh, opening show is going to be October 4th. So they're going to have a reception with DJ Smoke LES. Uh, and the show is going to run through January 6th. Um, like I said, he, uh, Miranda Rodriguez is the writer and creator of the Puerto Rican superhero comic La Borinquena, and, um, they're going to be exhibiting over 30 limited prints, and each are created by a different professional comic book artist, uh, and, or animation artist. The prints will all be signed and numbered. The printing was also donated. Um, what I was trying to say is the printing was donated by London-based gallery um, Art You Grew Up With International. Uh, so the pieces are $200 plus shipping, and all of the profits will go to Hurricane Irma relief effort. 
That's wonderful. Um, yeah. You know, th- when people go out of the way to create something in order to help their fellow man, I think that's commendable, and I think, um, I think it's just magical. I yes. think it's wonderful. Uh, you know, it just it speaks so much from our society that a lot of people, you know, they frown upon or they're they're scared or you know because of the unknown. But I think when people reach out to other people in need, I think it's 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 great. It's a pleasant surprise. Definitely. I think uh, with a lot of these uh, disasters that are happening, we're seeing it over and over again of just the the normal everyday person who has the capability of ha- lending some sort of uh, help, just picking up and uh, going and, and helping like we saw uh, in Texas and in Florida, just people driving into the places where the flooding had occurred to help people mm-hmm. and to get them to safety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a really cool thing that I've seen happen, um, I follow a lot of comic book artists and writers on Twitter, and what a lot of them have been doing is that uh, the proceeds that they make from their books and stuff like that, they're donating to the um, his, um, uh, to this Hispanic um, uh, Federation Fund who, that are giving it to Puerto Rico for mm-hmm. um, uh, hurricane relief. So people like Greg Pack, um, uh, Molly Ostertag, and mm-hmm. all these other um, uh, creators who are just saying if you pre-order, um, uh, if you pre-order this book or you buy the book, like all the proceeds made will go to um, uh, Puerto Rico Relief. Mm-hmm. And you can find out who's doing this. And a lot of them post pictures to show that they have done this and that yeah. they've actually they are donating right. this money yeah. that they've that they've um, uh, that they've made to the um, um, to the Puerto Rico Relief. So just put in Puerto Rico, the hashtag Puerto Rico Relief, and you'll find out a lot of them um, uh, and what they're doing. And what oh, that's awesome. And what they're, um, uh, basically what they're donating. Right, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. <clears throat> Much like uh, Diego Luna and um, his friend Gael Garcia Bernal, who yeah. also mm-hmm. made up a fund to, for relief right. of um, the Mexican, the, the Mexico earthquake. The earthquake, yeah. Oh, the earthquake, yeah. yeah. A lot of, you know, uh, some of the earthquake happened in Puebla, mm-hmm. which is where my family's from. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people we know, and the the closest story, uh, none of my family um, really suffered, but the closest story I um, I heard was from my, my aunt's uh, sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And she has a half-sister, she had a half-sister, and um, because there w- everybody was running around, trying to find their loved ones there was like no help so the her dad went to go look for her daughter and he had to um um dig for her oh wow and he found her yeah she had she had passed she had been crushed by um by debris um so there's a lot of stories out there like that and um you know if you can spare a few dollars Mm -hmm. um you know it it's a good feeling to help someone else in need you know, someone else that has had gone through something um, that we'll never understand, but it's good to know that, you know, they can... Oh, we might. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. They keep saying that the big earthquake's going to hate California. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but um, definitely something, um, just, you know, put that put that little uh, under your hat and maybe, you know, maybe not get that latte or, you know, maybe, um, you know. Yeah, that's $5. <laughs> yeah, that's $5 right there. So, you know, just, it's good energy. Put it out there. Good vibes and stuff. You know, shit happens, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to be able to turn to your fellow man and for help. And Yeah, definitely. And I've already mm-hmm. shared this link on the Commodity Comics Facebook page. 
Um, and so you can check it out. It's All the information is there if you're uh, in the New York City area. Excellent. That, that sounds good. Juntos y fuertes. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of episode 21, but we have some great news. Jen, if you will, please. So, in our previous episode, we got in some goodies from Sam Humphreys that he signed for us to give away. Shout out to Sam Humphreys. Shout out to Sam Humphreys. You are forever in our cool guy list. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he, he was really cool, and he gave us a bunch of stuff to give away, and... We uh, said that if you liked and retweeted or um, uh, shared or reblogged or whatever, uh, that we would uh, sign you up to win um, uh, these uh, these items. And I have put every name in a random generator list. And the winner is... Nesty! Yay! Nesty! <laughs> I love your name! I love uh, Nesty! I, I do... I love it. All right. And Nesty, um, oh, she follows us on Twitter. Yay. Uh, and uh, she says, I'm just a nerd and sports fan that watches too much TV. Tim Drake is my favorite Robin. Good good choice in Robin. Good choice <laughs> That's Robin. awesome. I love Dick. Uh, so will, congratulations to you and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and participating in our little giveaway. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so these things do happen, dude. You guys yeah. can win. Just you, guys you know, can win. participate. And <laughs> I will send uh, Nesty a message on what is this? Uh, Twitter. Uh-huh. Yes, um, uh, on Twitter, and um, or if you listen to the episode and I somehow forget to communicate, um, hit us up. On any of our websites, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, which we all, where is where we all got this, um, all the names. Uh, so we will send those out to you. Yes. Excellent. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. And on Twitter at Comic Comadres. And don't forget to um, interact with us on Facebook. You can also uh, hit us up on our Gmail, comadrecomics at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And also uh, rate and review our podcast on iTunes yes, and please. win a prize. Trust me, it's a cool prize. So if you rate and review us, you're in. <laughs> so please, uh, just take a few moments. It, it what will take like five minutes at most if you're like thinking about what to write but hopefully it's something nice and if it's something negative you could still win because yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter um so thanks guys for listening we have oh one more thing i'm so sorry to interrupt um but yes we will be at the comic oh yes we're going to be at the uh, Lat- latino comics expo in Long Beach on November 11th, so please uh, do Isn't come by. Isn't it a two-day thing? Yeah, it's a two. It's a okay. Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. event, so come on down, say hi to us, meet us, uh, take some of our swag. Um, take good. pictures yeah. swag, we you guys. We will have swag, and take pictures with us, and, you know, it'll be great. Recommend books. Yes, yeah. recommend give us, books. Give us beer. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be there. Yeah. Mentanos la madre. It doesn't matter. (laughs) We love it anyway. So thanks for that, guys. So thanks for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.